0: Welcome to the Love and War Worship Podcast. A conversation about Jesus and modern worship leadership.
1: All of us want a life that looks like Jesus' life. But it just seems like there's a gravitational pull away from that life and toward a life shaped by other things. In this episode, we examine the things that shape our life as leaders and we take a good hard look at the shape of Jesus' life and ask what we could do to grow into a more Jesus-shaped life ourselves. That's what today's episode is all about.
0: Well, hey, we know that you love your friends, and in fact, if you're like us, there's this real deep desire for friends to be on the level of family in your life. We would bet that there are three primary things that we all know that we want. Number one, we all want an increasing passion for God. Secondly, we want to know who our people are. And then thirdly, we want to know what our primary purpose in life is. Well, in short, these are the things that the Love & Learning Community, October 12th through the 15th, will be all about. So come to Kansas City and join this growing network of worship leaders from across the United States who are learning how to take worship home with friends who feel like family so that their neighbors can be closer to the stuff that God does. We want to know you. And in fact, the reason why we're doing this entire podcast is so we can hang with you. So come to the Love and Word Learning Community in Kansas City, October 12th through the 15th, and learn how to take worship on mission with friends who feel like family. You can learn more about applying for the Love and Word Learning Community at loveandwarworship.org. Hope to see you there. Dude, today we are interviewing Bob Wrongland. This is a solid one, isn't it? Yeah, I love it. I love this episode, man. I, I had the privilege of interviewing Bob earlier this year at the 3DM Generals Retreat in Pomona, California. 3DM is a is a network that we're deeply involved in that's teaching people how to make disciples and how to live on mission. And Bob was on the board of 3DM. And He's the author of a book called A Jesus-Shaped Life, and I'm really excited about this episode. Let's talk about some of the things that
1: we're going to talk about through this discussion with him. Yeah. A couple main points that we learn is we learn that it's a very Western idea to believe that what we think shapes our lives, but in reality, our lives are shaped by what we love way more than just what we think. Mm -hmm. So, in this episode, we're discussing what it means for our lives to be shaped by the things we love and value.
0: Yeah. We also talk about how Jesus' life had a very certain shape. And Bob helps us see that shape and teaches us how that shape can become the shape of our lives. And that's the point, actually, of discipleship.
1: And then we discuss what it means that the primary work of the church has mostly become attractional instead of transformational.
0: Yeah. And lastly, we ask the question, what was the central aspiration of Jesus's life? And we got a great answer out of him. Just a note, the audio wasn't the best on this one. We absolutely did our best, but I had my field recording stuff out on this trip with me, and I recorded Bob in this really tiny office, and he was a champ about it
1: all. So let's get into it. Our interview with the author of The Jesus Shaped Life, Bob Ronglian. Well,
0: Bob, thanks, man, for... Sitting with me for a couple of minutes, you have contributed a resource to our movement that we really want to thank you for because it's really shaping the language of our movement. You wrote a book called "A Jesus Shaped Life," man. Thank you for that. We we've ripped off your language quite a bit, man. Uh, so that's awesome. I'm glad that's that's why you write things. You want people uh, to, to right. use it. It's helping us. It's becoming like required reading for us. And it's really, really, really helpful. You say in a Jesus-shaped life that a life, all of our lives, are shaped by something. What does it mean for a life to take shape around ideals or around things that we believe?
2: Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul in Romans uh, describes that process of being conformed to this world versus being transformed by the renewing of our minds and, uh, and that, that passage is in Romans 12, 1 and two is, is also in the context of worship, isn't it? That we're to offer our lives as a living sacrifice, mm. a, a worship that is logical or according to the word, mm-hmm. you know? And so, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're all subject to forces that are constantly pressing on us and, and seeking to shape us. Like like a mold, you know, mm-hmm. an ex- external forces that are constantly shaping us, our our culture, the society around us, the people that we're interacting with, the systems that we're part of. Uh, there there's constantly forces at work on us and in us, seeking to conform us to a certain shape, a mm-hmm. certain mold. And, and I think that that word uh, from Paul is really about the inner transformation. That comes from the work of the Holy Spirit, in which we're being changed to use the Pauline language from one degree of glory to another, mm-hmm. more and more into the image of Jesus, so that outwardly we begin to look like what Jesus is doing in us inwardly, right and that's the process of transformation which which obviously is at war with in many ways the external forces you know that are pulling on us, and I think they're in Uh, lies the challenge of discipleship and of following jesus Mm -hmm. we're pulled between the forces that want to conform us versus the the power of god that is at work within us to transform us
0: yeah and you would say that jesus's life had a certain shape Mm -hmm. and the fact that his life had a certain shape that that would mean something for us in terms of christian discipleship right and so tell me about a jesus-shaped life what is a jesus-shaped life
2: well, yeah, I mean, in many ways, that's the point of the incarnation, isn't it? That that God entered into our world and took on a human form and became fully human. It wasn't just an external appearance. Um, but God took this humanity on himself so that he could show us the way we are meant to be. He, mm-hmm. he, he could give us a living picture, a living example, uh, an example with skin on it of of who we are meant to be and what our lives are meant to be about. Yeah. And uh, And so, obviously, discipleship is the process of living in the kind of relationship that will help us become more and more like Jesus, and in that, become more and more of who we're truly meant to be. So, you know, to me, the Jesus-shaped life is the life of discipleship mm-hmm. that leads to uh, participation in the fulfillment of God's mission, mm-hmm. His kingdom here on earth. And I love the way again Paul describes it in Ephesians 4:15 he says that we are to grow up in every way into Christ, you know yeah. who is the head of the body right. And that picture, uh, I think is is the picture of the Romans 12 being transformed because it's a process that grows up within us and then begins to, Show outwardly. So, in, in the Jesus Shape Life book, I tell the story of a neighbor who has a couple of these sort of chicken wire topiary forms mm-hmm. in his front yard that look kind of like the shape of a dolphin. Mm-hmm. And there are two dolphins kind of jumping out of his front lawn, but they're just chicken wire forms. But he plants, you know, shrubs inside of them. And the idea is for the shrubs to grow up inside these forms. And as they're pruned, to the shape of, of those dolphin forms, pretty soon you have these cool dolphins, you know. Right, right. But the, the funny thing was one of those had grown up into the form and, and it was this amazing green dolphin, you know, and, and beside it there was this, this shell with a little kind of twig that hadn't grown up, you know. And to me it was like the picture of of what growing up into Jesus looks like. It's a process of of dying and rising, it's a process of growing and being pruned. It's the process of discipleship where where we have people in our life who give us an imperfect example of the perfect example of Jesus and invite us into their lives, invite us into that that sense of family, invite us into a journey whereby not by our own effort or works or trying harder to change ourselves, but by the process of yielding. Uh, to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we allow Him to do the, the work in us that we could never do in ourselves. Right. But it happens in the re- a discipling relationship and a community that's on mission together.
0: You know, it's interesting then because a lot of the audience that's listening to this, or a lot of our audience, they work in systems that aren't necessarily asking them to live jesus-shaped lives it's not that that's not the job it's just that's not the thought energy creativity imagination is going towards sunday and so in so many conversations we're hearing that man actually my life is actually shaped around sunday which is not evil or bad or whatever it's just we're trying to kind of expand our imagination Go, how can our lives beyond sunday be shaped into the image of Jesus. And so I'm, I'm curious, man. I know that you've written a lot, of, you know, you've written books on worship. You care about, about worship. And I'd love to know from you, how can we live a more Jesus shaped life if there's not a lot of help from the contexts or the
2: systems? That we live in. How can we take responsibility for our life to live a Jesus shaped life? Yeah, that's a great question because, uh, particularly for anyone who's in a public role and worship leaders, you know, by nature are very much in the in the public position in that way up front. Um, I think we're more subject in some ways to conform to the external pressures, which in many ways work against the process of being transformed into mm. the, the shape of Jesus' life. Um, But it's ironic, isn't it, that as we talk about worship leaders, that that would be the case because (laughs) worship is intrinsically about encountering God in such a way that he is shaping and transforming us more into his image. Right. In my books on experiential worship, the experiential worshiper, I've kind of described worship as God coming to us and us responding to God. But when God comes to us, he, he engages us with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, which is just a biblical way of saying all that we are, and is calling us and evoking in us a response in all those ways, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And in that kind of an interaction, you cannot help but be transformed, you know, and that's right. why that's why worship is so powerful and so important to so many of us is because mm-hmm. we've experienced that, we know that. That's why many of the people listening here are devoting their lives to leading others into those kinds of encounters. So isn't it ironic that oftentimes the way that worship has been construed within our church cultures and systems sometimes is working against that. Right. You know? And I think it has to do with the kind of... Um, expectations that are put on what happens on Sunday in our churches mm-hmm. that in many ways I think our our American church culture has turned our Sunday gatherings into that place where we're trying to attract people who right. don't know Jesus and so we put a lot of emphasis on the things that we think Will attract them. Yeah. And one of those things is, you know, excellent music that's relevant to them and their musical styles and tastes and is produced in a way that, uh, is, you know, very high quality and Mm -hmm. so forth. And so we put a lot of effort into the production and the presentation of musical worship in such a way that that culture starts to become very performance oriented. Right. Almost. Feeds into a, the celebrity culture that's yeah. so strong in America, and so as a result, I think those forces, you know, are kind of at work there. Yeah. So I guess your question was, how do worship leaders that are dealing with that seek something better? And I, I would say it's to make discipleship and the mission that flows from discipleship the center of your life and of the way that you're uh, leading the worship ministry mm-hmm. in your community and see Sunday by that we mean the, the public gatherings mm-hmm. of our community right. uh, to see that as an expression that's right man of the life of discipleship and mission that you're building within an extended spiritual family that's right man you know i think that there is a growing number of
0: worship leaders that feel lost in this mm. because so many of them are having this experience if they're healthy, you know, if they're healthy and self-aware, they're having this experience where they're standing in front of their church and there's this sense that people are eating or consuming their gift. Mm-hmm. They're like, I I need you. And I remember man, just years ago in my own life, just you know, not to make this just super provocative, but I like, I feel like I'm complicit in what is keeping this church from the movement of God. Sure. Like I, I actually feel like my gift is a bit like crack cocaine that is keeping this church uh, in need of a fix. It's coming back to this place rather than living out of our our, our God given identity to be people who are like salt and light in sure. the real world beyond this place.
2: And you know, musical worship leaders are not alone in that because I'm right. I'm primarily a preacher in mm-hmm. the context of worship. I believe all that happens as we gather is part of worship. It's not just the music. But I think preachers are often in the same place because there's so much pressure on us to, to come up with an interesting and funny and engaging and meaningful biblical message. It's practical, yeah. you know, all these things. And, and we know that the, the kind of the quality of the music and the quality of the preaching are the two things that yeah. will keep people coming and right. attract new people to come. And so the, the pressure, uh, the, the, the pressure that our consumeristic culture puts on us to perform in a certain way and therefore, be conformed right. to a certain set of values is very high, Right. and I know for me, after thirty years of of you know church leadership, you know it's been a ten year journey that I'm still on yeah. of figuring out how not to be complicit with right, that. right, right, and the and the cost of that sometimes is high.
0: It is high, and man. Yeah when you when you ask the questions like, okay, is the mission of this church to bring people here?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: When that happens, we get a little bit off center of the incarnation we get a little you know off center of the mission the way yeah. of jesus which was to exhale from this place go to sunday inhale when you leave
2: exhale into the world one thing that uh that we talk about in in this movement is that the way that jesus made disciples the way that he invited them more into this jesus-shaped life was through an invitation to covenantal relationship mm-hmm. But also through the challenge to kingdom representation, right. and it was the, uh, uh, the 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 way that he worked both of those things together that helped his followers grow up into the life that he was showing them. And I think for worship leaders, and as I was saying, for preachers too, that's critical. To, like, how are we leading worship? Are we leading worship in a way that's only invitational, that only makes people feel supported and comfortable and encouraged? Or are we calibrating in our worship leadership challenge to kingdom representation as well? Right. And so are we only trying to make people feel good and if, oh, God loves me and this is great and he's here with me and I'm loving this music and it feels so good and this pew is so comfortable, you know? Yeah. Or are we also really stretching people out of their comfort zones mm-hmm. and calling them into a place where they are being laid bare before a holy God who's calling them to, to die and to lay down their lives and to respond with you know concrete steps of faith and acts of service and sacrifice and love and so forth. And, and so I think that's part of how, as worship leaders, we have to challenge and not be complicit right. with the conforming, consumeristic nature of a lot of the the culture that we operate in.
0: A lot of this language even fell on our team as we've been here at this retreat with you, you know, the last couple of days. And we realized it's hard to be in the room sometime with a prophetic leader Mm -hmm. if they're not maturing. And I'm growing and maturing. I'm realizing that I lead a lot out of we should do this. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a fine line, you know, because once you kind of project, hey, we should be leading it or living a Jesus-shaped life, man, immediately people start to feel you know, shame's not too far behind that. Once you are putting the oughts on people, we ought to live a certain way. We ought to live a Jesus-shaped life. And I think that what's different, and this is what became clear to me over the last couple of days, is that it's really different, you know, not saying we should be this, but we could be this, mm-hmm. you know. And that so. seems to really, like, let the air back into the room, you know. It's like, man, we could be this. And I, I really think that I want to lean more in into that. And I want to set my life squarely in this promise that Jesus said that we would do greater things than he did. Jesus has a tremendous amount of hope that our lives would be shaped by his life and that we would do things that are even greater than he did. And right behind this in terms of this, like, what, what could we be is this idea of aspiration. I'm ambitious. I'm an ambitious leader. I know that you're an ambitious leader. I think that Jesus was an ambitious leader. But Jesus told this story of a man who finds a treasure in a field and then sells everything that he has to buy that field. And I think that that's something that I'm trying to lean forward in. Like I want to sell everything that I have towards what could be possible in a marriage of worship and mission. And Jesus told us that where our treasure is, our hearts would be also. The treasures of our heart are hidden in our aspirations. And we know that many worship leaders or young leaders are driven by aspiration as I am. But here at Love and War, we have a key value that what or who we aspire to be is shaping our lives. So our choices, our time, our energy is all headed in the direction of our aspirations. So my aspirations are revealed in what I treasure. And what I treasure is revealed in what I choose. And what I choose is seen where my time goes. So the real question are what aspirations shaped Jesus's life and what aspirations are shaping mine? So do I aspire to be known? Do I aspire to be heard? Do I aspire to be seen or applauded? Or my aspirations in life, Jesus's, are my treasures, Jesus's treasure? And so the question I'm asking you right now, is a long way around this, <laughs> is what was Jesus's treasure? Like what were the aspirations of his life? I think it's important to this, Jesus-shaped life question, and as we're trying to wrestle out, I think modern worship leadership is guided by certain unspoken aspirations. Be great. Get bandwidth. Find people that love your record or your song or whatever. Be heard, all this. But behind all of this is a surrender to Jesus's life. If we lose our life in Him, we'll find it. That's what He told us. And so in doing so, I think it's important to put the conversation, what were the aspirations
2: of his life you know i think there was one central focus and one central aspiration that shaped and guided and and empowered everything that jesus did and that was when you know he said it two different ways he said the the son of man only does what he sees the father doing Mm -hmm. and he said in first person he said i only speak the words that the Father has given me to speak. Yeah. And that that was the guiding core and center of Jesus' life was his relationship with the Father mm-hmm. because he knew who he was. This is my beloved son, and in him I am well pleased. That wasn't rooted in any of the wonderful things that Jesus had done at his baptism. He hadn't done any miracles that we know of. He hadn't healed anyone that we know of. And he just knew who he was and that that was the gracious gift of the Father to him, that he didn't have to earn it or he didn't have to shit on himself to Mm -hmm. get there or anything Mm -hmm. like that. And because Jesus knew who he was, he was able to operate from that place of identity with the authority of a representative son of his Father, who's the King of the universe. And that's how Jesus was able to do all the incredible things that he did. But he wasn't driven by a desire for recognition. He wasn't driven by uh, the goal of getting certain numbers. He wasn't uh, trying to accomplish some certain strategic plan. He wasn't none of that. It was the guiding thing was see what the father's doing and do that. Yeah. Not as it, not, not to earn the father's love, but because he knew the father's love, yep. he knew who he was in that. And to simply speak the words that the father had given him to speak and to live a Jesus shaped life is to learn more and more to function out of that place where we, we know who we are because we've received by grace that the good news yeah. of this redeeming love in Jesus that has made us sons and daughters of his. And from that place of of the desire that we could you're talking about the could language mm-hmm. is obedience not in order to earn the Father's love but the obedience that naturally wells up within us, the desire to do the Father's will and speak the Father's words. And out of that then comes the power to do the will of the Father because we know who we are. We know the authority given to us.
0: There's just this thing. I'm just feeling about authenticity. I think it's important for particularly millennials, you know, a younger generation to have a sense of self-representation, a sense of ownership of themselves, having their lives take a shape that is curated by a search of who they really are. And uh, I don't believe that Jesus denies them that in this that we're talking about, but maybe he gets there another way. So does living a Jesus-shaped life cost us authenticity? Absolutely not.
2: It costs us uh, everything. Yeah. It, it, it means we, we do have to die. We do have to lay down on We do have to take up our cross. But it's precisely in order to gain the authentic life that we're meant to live, that we were designed for, that we're created for. Right. Jesus said, You know, I, I came that they might have life and the habit. The Greek word is like hyper abundantly overflowing. Oh, oh man. He said, My joy is complete that that that, that wholeness that that there's nothing lacking in it and he's and he said he came that his joy might be in us yeah and so it's it's in coming to know who we really are through that relationship with christ that leads us to live the authentic life that we're truly meant to live those those two things are interconnected but the world would tell us that that comes by accumulating you know, possessions or, or fame you know, or power or whatever. And Jesus says it's exactly the opposite, mm. you know, that, that it's by laying down our lives, it's by letting go of those things that we find our true life. Yeah. I think the Beatitudes are one of the more misunderstood teachings of Jesus, but they capture that so well that the things that we think are going to give us the life that we're looking for don't. Whereas the things that we think we're going to lose it if we go that direction, that is where we find life. Right, right, right. And so that's why Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a disciple, you have to take up your cross. And then Peter says, in response to the statement about the rich man, he's like, well, then what are we going to be left with? Well, guess what? A hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just the it's the paradox of the
0: gospel in yeah. that way. Last question, man, what is something that our listeners can do today to begin living a more Jesus-shaped life?
2: Yeah, like ten things come to mind. So <laughs> I try to think of I, th- I would think of one um, I would say uh, seek after a relationship with somebody who is ahead of you on the journey of following jesus into that jesus-shaped life Mm -hmm. and if you don't have a relationship with somebody like that seek a relationship where you can learn from them you can imitate their imperfect example and through that relationship you can grow up more and more into christ yeah and and then uh, and then from that relationship yeah begin to invite others to do the same with you
0: yeah Well, obviously, man, we want people to find that as close to their real life in their real home, local place as they possibly Mm -hmm. can. But man, if you're a listener and you're really struggling for that, the love and war community exists to be that for you. That is Mm -hmm. what we want to be. We want to walk with you and together, not because we've achieved it, but because we've just set our heart to be worship leaders who are asking the question, not how can I. Keep living a Sunday shaped life, but how can I live a Jesus shaped life? We're after it, and so we'd love to walk with you too. Bob, thanks so much, man, for this. Thank you,
2: John. Yeah, it was man. awesome to yeah. with you. I love what you guys are doing. Thanks. So keep it up. Thanks. Can't, can't wait to hear more what God is going to do with this.
0: Well, we'll have you. We'll have you a little closer, maybe in Kansas City at one of our events sometime soon, man. You're a hero to us. Thanks, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah, yeah. it. So
0: sharp, man. Yeah.
1: So sharp. I loved it. I loved my time with him. Yeah. It's almost like he wrote a book on it. Oh, yeah, you would think. (laughs) Hey, so, man, what 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 was your big takeaway from this one? I think it was talking about the difference between a Sunday-shaped life and a Jesus-shaped life, and is there a better way we can live? And Bob said something. He said, if we make discipleship the focal point of our lives then Sunday can become an expression of the lives that we're actually living. Mm. And Sunday becomes more of a celebration and expression rather than a focal point. Right, rather than the the, the main event. Yeah.
0: of Yeah. Man, my takeaway was that Jesus' main aspiration in life was to do the will of his Father. Another way of saying that is that Jesus knew what kind of life his Father was asking him to live, and all of his decisions in life were made from that place. So even the decision to endure the cross from us was made from this place that he knew the kind of life that his father was asking him to live. It was amazing to me. So the kind of life that God is asking me to live will be a life of taking up my cross so I can follow Jesus or so my life can be shaped by his life. Man, that's challenging mm-hmm. and true. That has been my experience of following Jesus as well. And uh, it was just an incredible reminder for me to just kind of double down on that and and to, to just allow every single thing that Jesus is asking me to do in life to shape the way that I'm living because I love him. Yeah. Because I love him. Yeah.
1: It's a narrow road, but we believe that our listeners can do that. They can live
0: that type of life. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I love it. Everybody, thanks so much for listening with us. And we're really excited about this episode that's coming up next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the love and war worship podcast the title music from these episodes
0: is from john shirley's album the desert blooms this episode's transitional music has been provided by mvrk you can license music from mvrk at marmosetmusic.com this episode's underscore music has been provided by meaning machine you can license music from meaning machine at musicbed.com to learn more about love and war go to loveandwarworship.org thanks so much for listening today